Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Ladies and gentlemen, record geeks, retired plate spinners, and millennials who want to impress their parents with their record collections. Welcome to the RhinoCast podcast, brought to you by Rhino Records. Get ready for new releases, deep tracks, and conversations with your favorite artists and bands. And balloons for the kiddies. And now, your hosts with the most, Rich Mahan and Dennis the Menace. On this episode of the Rhino Podcast, executive producer John Hughes speaks with illustrators Michael Patterson and Candace Reckinger about their work on AHA's iconic music video, Take On Me. Hey, Dennis. I have a question for you, as I always do. Yes. What is it like to be a Rhino Insider? Well, let me tell you about Rhino Insider. Rhino Insider is Rhino's brand new loyalty program for music fans here in the U.S. If you're 18 and over, it's free to join, and you earn points by partaking in activities and connecting with Rhino at rhino.com and on their social media. And then you use the points that you earn to redeem for rewards. So here's how you earn points for Rhino Insider. You engage with Rhino on social media. You tell Rhino what kind of music you love. Read articles on rhino.com. Listen to Rhino podcasts. Hello, you're here already. Watch videos and make purchases on rhino.com. And you can then use those points to redeem for vinyl, box sets, cool Rhino apparel, U-turn turntables, exclusive content, discounts on music, and more. It's crazy. It is crazy. And, you know, we're pretty sure that most of you are already doing these things, right? So why not sign up and get credit for the time you're already spending on Rhino.com and listening to podcasts and earn those points? So here's how you become a Rhino Insider. You can join by going to the Rhino Insider page and clicking on Become a Rhino Insider. You'll get an email asking you to confirm your email address. And once that's done... You're off to the races. You're good to go. So sign up today at rhinoinsider.com. Well, Dennis, why don't you tell everybody what we've got for them today on the Rhino Podcast? We have something, in the words of Monty Python, completely different. We have executive producer John Hughes, and this is a two-parter about the making of the legendary video for Take On Me, the AHA song. This is a video that absolutely took the world by storm, won several video music awards that year, was nominated for more than that, and is still making top 10 and top five video of all time lists today. 
I don't want to give away too much, but the fact of the matter is that over the next two episodes, you're going to get two very different perspectives on why the video for AHA Take On Me was and continues to be so legendary. You're going to hear from the label folks, and you're going to hear from the artists who actually did the animation. And the story is really cool. And that's what we have for you today. We've got Michael Patterson and Candice Reckinger. They're the illustrators that created the, all the art for this video. Pretty cool. Well, right on. Let's get to the conversation between executive producer John Hughes and Michael Patterson and Candace Reckinger about the making of AHA's Take On Me video. Would you introduce yourself, please? I'm Candace Reckinger. And Mike Patterson. What was your role in the making of the Take On Me video? Well, we had a lot to do with it because we did all the animation and the original sort of inspiration for the video was for it to be an animated video. Okay, so let's talk about the inspiration, which was a student film, right? The student film um, was called Commuter. It was a short story done in the line drawing rotoscope animation technique. It was kind of a mix of graphics and rotoscope animation. And it was a story about um, a guy going to work every day and coming home on the mass transit system. The film won the Student Academy Award that year, 1980, and, uh, and eventually made its way on to be screened on TV and festivals. And then it ended up being uh, repurposed for the Train of Thought video, correct? Yes. Yes, that's right. Pieces of that video were used. Well, it's a longer story, the, you know, go to kind of how it got to Jeff and John Bugue. But at the time, I think the... Animation style was really unique because uh, nobody had really done anything quite in that style before. At the time, animation wasn't the exciting art form it is again today. I think most people thought about animation as old cartoons or, or cartoon shows on TV that weren't mm -hmm. very exciting visually. Mike was an experimental animator. His video actually was kind of startling even in the Student Academy Award competition. Uh, yeah. Sal Bass, the really famous titles director, designer and director, he fought for Mike's film to get an award. Yeah, because at the time, they weren't really considering it really like real animation. Yeah, it wasn't it was, in animation, the category. And at the time, my teacher at CalArts had been one of the primary creative people on Fantasia. So he was a big music and animation person. And he always said that animation belongs in the Museum of Modern Art. And Take On Me is in the Museum of Modern Art now, <laughs> which is really kind of cool. So is Commuter. But at the time, uh, when I tried to get work, I couldn't get work anywhere with that animation. And it really wasn't until connecting up with John Bugue and Jeff Aroff that we were invited in to do something that had some commercial punch like that. And how did that come about? Well, that, yeah. That it's was, a funny story, actually. It's a, it's, it almost it, didn't come about. Yeah. Nobody knows the story, so like this is uh, interesting. Originally, Commuter was being distributed by a small art animation distribution company called Picture Start. And the guy who ran that in Champaign, Illinois, where I went to undergrad, had a lot of really great animators, really talented people on the roster. Anyway, that film he got onto a local art station in Los Angeles called Bravo, and John Bugue saw it on TV and called him. and called the guy and said, can you send me a copy? And he goes, oh, a Hollywood producer. And, and, he, and he didn't really believe him, but he gave him his number, so he said, if you want to do this, uh, you know, 
Uh, I'm going to have to call Mike. Well, he had uh, trouble reaching us, too, because we actually yeah. just got married and we were on a long camping honeymoon trip. So uh, I think you picked up your messages at one point. I picked right? up the messages, yeah. I called him, and he goes, <laughs> I don't know. He goes, you can call him if you want. Uh, but, you know, he sounds serious. So put the piece of paper in my wallet for four or five months. And then we were, we were running out of money. In Los Angeles. In, our, <laughs> in, in Los Angeles in our first apartment. I said, well, maybe we ought to call this guy. We called, and it was John Bugan. He goes, are you guys interested in doing a music video? And then he goes, I want to introduce you to a friend of mine at Warner Brothers. And that was our first meeting with Jeff Aroff. Jeff goes, okay, so you guys are a team, okay. And, and we said, yeah, we're, we're teaming up to work on creative projects together. And he said, uh, can you call me first if you get any other work? I'll write you a check to not take anything unless you call me first. So, uh, so we did that, and then he asked to see if I could draw some images of the band, of Martin from AHA. And I drew the images, and basically that, that's what launched the project. Can you show me the first drawing you did of Martin? Yeah, this is the, this is the first image that I drew for Jeff to take a look at the style. And I think what happened was he initially had referenced a a fashion illustrator, and he goes, that's not what I want, I want what you can draw. I don't remember what it was, it was a different person, but, but he said, just draw what you, in your style. Which then, you know, went on to be, you know, the same style, um, and this was like the, the comic book that was used in the video. So the style was then developed into animation. Yeah, so it was his style yeah. from his film commuter, and it's now a recognizable style. I mean, everybody just points and says, oh, the aha style. Yeah, it's, it's kind of crazy. Now, what was interesting is that when we shot the video, Jeff sent us to London, and originally they thought that we were just going to animate everything in London. And in, in, in a, a couple, couple of weeks. weeks <laughs> originally, the people were a little shocked that we weren't going to be able to do that. And then Jeff understood that, no, animation takes some time, and so we were able to kind of stretch this thing out. I think it ended up taking 16 weeks to do all, like, it was a couple thousand so did you feel pressure for this? Oh, yeah. I mean, that's all we did is, is we just, he would draw, and I did all the mats, mm -hmm. and I, I designed the, um, the comic book section that starts the video. We redesigned that, and uh, yeah, it was just day and night. Mm -hmm. At the end, he, he was afraid his hand wasn't going to be able to move anymore. Yeah, this was, it, was, <laughs> it was interesting because at one point, the opening of the video needed some work and Jeff had said, well, what can you guys do about it? But then Candace boarded a brand new opening for the video, completely new, based on Japanese graphic novels that we were looking at at the time. This is before like the whole Japanese animation thing had really hit the US, the West Coast. And I also had a huge interest in um, the early Marvel comics. I hadn't been allowed to have comic books as a kid, so I became obsessed with them as soon as I went to college. So I, I had a lot of stuff. Yeah, so Candace penciled out this storyboard, and then we were in a rush to finish the video. I ended up drawing all the whole opening in one night and specking it out for shooting, and then we had then had to have that film then. It's film, not a video, not a file. <laughs> it was film, <laughs> um, not a JPEG or or a, a MOV file, but it was a an actual roll of film that we had to then send to London to be cut into the video. Yeah, because the the mats when we made the composite images, first of all, we, you didn't use a word like composite in those days. It was all physical before After Effects, so I had to physically cut all the mats, and we had to put everything together on an animation stand. Yeah, we had it shot by a cameraman. Yeah. yeah, and the, 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 
the process is something that no one ever sees anymore. It's like there are sort of like video compositing where people would do crude things in the online sessions. But this, this was something that was an old technique called aerial image, where we would project the background off of a mirror up back up into the animation camera, which is a which looks down onto the artwork, right? So so there's a big condenser lens here so that the live action would shoot back up into the camera and then the animation drawing is here with a hole cut in it. So when we were looking through the in the animated world, if we're seeing into live action or, or the opposite, it would all be shot in one moment. It would all be in camera. It's kind of uh, like a sandwich. Right. Yeah. Yeah, of, a, so, of a physical cell and uh, the film image. So we had to be careful of things like dust and, <laughs> and all this. And it, but, but, yes. uh, but it turned out really well, and it, what was great about it is that it ended up being very integrated, and, and you believe it in the end because it was yeah. a fantasy. you know. Was this the first music video you did? Yeah. yeah. And how did it change things for you? It, it didn't happen right away. It was slow to build. Because Jeff had a plan of how to release it. Well, I remember what happened was is that he did not give it to MTV right away. Because I remember MTV was trying to get into the animation studio to see what is this thing you're making, and and he said, well, no, no, you're going to get it when it's ready. So when it was done, he didn't give it to MTV. He gave it to smaller distributors because there were all these small stations that were playing music videos. So by the time MTV got it, they were like this hungry beast, and it just like. Literally, I think that thing was in heavy rotation for like over a whole year. Yeah. Like they were just like chugging this video. Like wherever you went, you heard the song on the radio, and whenever the TV was on, you would see the video. I mean, it was it was it's never it's never been like that for us for any other video. What kind of interaction, if any, did you have with the actual band for the life drawings? We had a lot of uh, contact with them during the shoot, the actual shoot. Mm-hmm. We didn't do any life drawing. We we worked on the live action shoot to make sure everything was, was set up best mm-hmm. for the animation because not everything would yeah. work. Mm-hmm. We knew what would work. And we gave drawings to the production designer through with Steve, Steve mm-hmm. and the production designer. And I think the production designer was a production designer on 1984, like mm-hmm. a really great movie, and there's some really great crew on that. But anyway, they painted the psych walls with the drawings so that mm-hmm. the animated world, so when we did the animation, we had a reference for things in three dimensions. Technique is rotoscope, so yeah. it's based on the live action footage. Yeah, so we were there when they were transferring the drawings and we were there through the whole shoot. So we were very involved in the shoot. In some ways, it's probably more similar to when people use um, motion capture now. And you have to work with the actors. So a lot of the work is directing the actors and designing it and seeing what you're getting. And then you go off into kind of a laboratory situation where you just make the animation. Mm-hmm. We did a, a few drawings up front to kind of like establish like what the style we were going to be using, which is which is pretty much exactly what was used in Commuter. But then from then on, basically we're working off the edit. And Steve was a very experienced live action director, and he had very good people on his team. Mm-hmm. So it was it was a really good introduction for us because it was our first music video we were on. Really. Did you do any work on the video for The Sun Always Shines on TV as well? Some animation some on that, animation. yeah. Yeah, there was like some us animated section of that. It wasn't, it wasn't a huge amount, but it was some. Some, yeah. anim- some animation in a similar style. We got along really well with the band, so there was a lot of rapport. It was really, really friendly, and I think that also went a long way towards making the shoot good. They were incredibly enthusiastic and into doing it, so I think they really put themselves into it a lot. There was a, a funny thing. I remember being on set with them, and 
Mags was on his skateboard, <laughs> skating around, and like you know, it was just really casual. And um, and then we we actually had to drive them somewhere. So we were driving in our new little. It was like one of the first new SUVs, and yeah. and we had Aha in the back seat. And then we just thought, this wouldn't it be great if like everybody like became successful from this? <laughs> <laughs> and it was kind of funny. I think remember we all laughed about that. Yeah. Thinking about that now. Take On Me is about to have 1 billion views on YouTube. Does that make you proud, surprised? Oh, we're really proud of it. Uh, it's kind of like you raise this kid and they go off and do something you never expected them to do and have mm-hmm. this huge effect on things. So it's great to have made a cultural icon, really. It's, it's amazing. And, you know, we teach at USC and all our students know the video. I don't think we expected it to, to have a rebirth through YouTube and the web. But it did, and it's just, uh, it's incredible. It's really incredible. It feels like we made something that just, um, you know, becomes a thing in itself. Kind of like, in a lot of ways we think of it it like a a music video that's comparable to having done The Wizard of Oz. It's like people have a really good feeling about it and has a life of its own, and it really means something on its own. And I love the fact that people do things like do Valentine's Day's versions of it or, you know, the TV shows will do takeoffs. It's wonderful. We did, we did this one presentation at the university where they said, okay, can you show your work? And we cut together a montage of 25 parodies. Yeah. It was insane. <laughs> it was it's like, and, and you could just yeah. do, and you could like go five more years and find another 50 parodies. Yeah. And then, you know, the show opens like Family Guy, you know. Um, in the grocery uh, store and he goes into the milk cartons. It was hysterical. <laughs> you know, people go, don't you get sick of just having that be, people always ask you about that. And it's absolutely not because, oh. because it, it does give people a really good feeling. You know, it, it, left, it leaves people with a positive takeaway, you know, the, the video. First of all, nobody knew it was going to be anything yeah. at all. Yeah, it's, no, it feels good to have made something that people seem to love. And the song has a, you know, it has the hook that everybody always talks about. But the hook is really good. The hook is, is the song plays in your head, and you don't mind it at all if you start humming it and repeating it. And I think it's good to do something that adds to the positive in the world. Mm-hmm. I mean, people sent me all these Valentines that they made out of the video this last Valentine's Day. And I think that's great. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, one thing we picked up about the band is that they did this thing because they love making music. And you can feel that, actually, from that album, you know, that this was kind of a really from the heart, you know, kind of like when Jeff put everybody together. It definitely had that feeling about it. There was such an amazing energy around Jeff Aroff at Warner Brothers. Yeah. He was really kind of one of the great art curators of the medium and probably is responsible for what people think of today as the high point of the, or the classic era of the medium. Uh, Jeff asked us, uh, you know, can we reference this movie, Altered States, for the end where he's like kind of like trans, he's like transforming in from one state into another and he passionately breaks through, uh, you know, into the real world and that was kind of a thing where we had to figure out the right technique for doing it so we can, so it wasn't as cut out, it was more transformational. Yeah. Um, oh, you should say the thing about fairy tale. I was just going to say that. Yeah, that this I, is really a good one. I, I I've, I've thought about this, like, why is this video, why does it have such a, a big shelf life where it just keeps going on and on? And so many people identify with it. And I, I think it's a fairy tale, basically. It's really good storytelling. It's a fairy tale of, you know, this girl in a humdrum existence, right, escapes into this fantasy world, and, um, and they have an adventure. 
mm-hmm. right? And their life is threatened, and he saves her. And then he breaks through. He comes back. She goes back to her life, right? And he breaks through, and he comes, and they're united. And it's, it's just like mm-hmm. a classic Sleeping Beauty or Cinderella kind of story. And I, th- I think it, it works. It just works. I, mean, I think he was, he was visionary. I think he really saw this kind of um, synthesis that was going to happen between visuals and music. It's super powerful. Music is so powerful for people. Mm-hmm. And then visuals with music is even a more powerful combo. And I think it, uh, it really helped to change mass media, change the culture. Metaphor we use uh, of the jet stream, like this, like this amazing jet stream of popular culture. And if you manage to like touch it or get into it, it's like amazing, right? And then suddenly you're out of it. Um, <laughs> yeah. But there's one thing that's true is that Take on me got into the jet stream and it's never left. Yeah, it's, it's great. just part of that amazing thing that makes up art and popular culture, and I don't think it's ever going anywhere. It's never going to leave. I think it's just in there right now, and and I think it kind of gave us a lot of opportunities. Kansas ended up directing um, Suzanne Vega's Luca video that won MTV Award, and then Be Still My Beating Heart for Sting, and then Jeff called us back in and we got to do a musical which we'd always loved to do which was opposite the tract and work and create the cat and with Paul Abdul well yeah and uh, Jeff came up with that idea it was a great challenge so in other words that one that one uh, also is kind of a one of those videos but I don't think anything has really reached the level of aha it was so new <laughs> it's just you no know, it was so such a new kind of video and what do you teach at USC the area we're in is actually called visual music. Okay, so you could put music videos into that. You could put the American musical from the uh, you know, 50s, 40s and 50s into that. And it includes all this, uh, just the whole marriage of, of images and music. And mm-hmm. we're doing large-scale projection mapping, visual music projects. We do multi-screen and architectural projection mapping. And then I also run the virtual reality lab. It's, it's really immersive media lab at USC. I've done that for about three years. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, I mean, we've had opportunities to work with uh, musicians and do visuals live with classical music. We did one project that was pretty amazing uh, experience where Frank Gehry built a concert hall in Miami Beach that's kind of a mini Disney hall called New World Center. We were invited to do a five-screen animation for pictures at an exhibition. And it was a 35-minute, fully animated, 15-part, five-screen... Kind of a Fantasia, really, but in live performance. And inside the hall, the the screens that you think of as the typical Geary element, they're actually the projection screens in the hall. So there's five screens, enormous. It's almost a, a surround situation, and we created uh, animation with the team for that with live orchestral performance. Yeah. Oh. And that was, that was really exciting. That was a theater event, and it was really um, a great feeling to produce a theater, a hybrid media theater event with live music and an audience that's responding to the music. It was, it was very... Uh, it was really extraordinary. It was just like a colossal live music video yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to, to a real classic piece of, of music. Um, uh, sort That's of. a fun piece of music, too. It's, kind of, it's, it's also tuny and has great melodies, and it has all these visual ideas, mm-hmm. and it was, just, it was really, really fun yeah. to uh, visualize that. Yeah. I, think, I think because of the AHA video, it's been a calling card for us because something that actually gives you a lift in terms of almost any any interview situation or any any situation on a job or 
anything. It's just, it just has a, a vibe attached to it. So it's kind of followed us along like uh, on our careers. But we've made it our business to, to uh, try to be in the future and, and kind of explore new things. So uh, that, that's, I mean, yeah. and Candace never thought she'd be in virtual reality. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, it's, just, it's like an exciting field because um, it's, in some ways it reminds me a lot of when we were doing music videos and how new everything felt. And exciting, uh, and like we were coming up with a new hybrid uh, kind mm-hmm. of art, artistic communication, and uh, uh, the new media thing that's going on now has got that kind of energy, and I think it's going to be—it's an even bigger change. Mm-hmm. So one thing that never changes with students is that they always want to make cool stuff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. They want to make their mark. They want to express themselves. So um, we sort of bring with our experiences we had uh, in the industry, being directors, being creatives, to uh, sort of try to inspire them to do the next stuff. And we never try to keep them in our era. We we yeah. we're really excited to kind of see where everything's going. Yeah, um, we like all we we like the mu- new music. We uh, students can't believe that there was only one station initially where you could actually see music videos. That it was only MTV, and they don't believe us when we say you'd walk into an uh, you know an entertainment executive's office and the TV set behind the desk would be tuned to MTV so they could see all this cool stuff being shown. Right. Uh, they, you know, because they have so much stuff they can look at. Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, that would basically be the scene walking into uh, Jeff Aroff's office is that there would be, like, one or two TVs uh, somewhere <laughs> going on. We would be, like, talking about what was being made. It was really a vital, exciting time where there were so many new ideas, and I think... Now there's also a lot of new ideas and there are a lot of yes. things to discover. So we're trying to do that at USC. Students are very excited nowadays about new media. And, and I think most people are very excited and interested in music and combining it with visuals and storytelling. So that's basically where we're at. Experience, experiential storytelling. Our next group of undergrads is, was born in uh, 2001. Mm. So if you think that that's 16 <laughs> years... After the video was released, um, I would say that the last four years of undergrad students, the majority of the students know the video, and and some of them say that's my favorite video. Yes. I mean, which is, I mean, I don't know how many videos uh, can say that. I mean, uh, and we have no control over what people watch. It's just that it's in the fabric. It's in the fabric, and we, we even see applications where people talk about, I want to come and study with you, because you did the aha video. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So, so yeah. So that uh, it's the thing about vi- music videos is that you know um, it isn't stuck on one style either. So, yeah. uh, so it's such a great area. Like we got to work in all live action, animated and live, and all animated. We just made we, in 2012. We made a new video for Jeff Lynne called uh, Mr. Blue Sky, oh, fully animated, animated. Yeah, fully which animated. was really a blast. And um, he just said, make something really cool and freaky. It's like you know. So it was, and it, it was, it was great, you know. Great. I want to thank you both for your time. This was fantastic, Frank. Thanks so much. Dennis, did you learn anything about this video that you didn't know before listening to this conversation? I learned a ton. I think, I think the big learning is 
that, you know, when it comes to art, you never know what your style is going to turn into and where it's going to go. Even if that song isn't your jam, you watch that video and you're like, man, that's a cool video. You know, it's kind of like a sketch pad on steroids. It's, it's incredible. And to hear how many drawings they actually had to make to create that video, that's just mind-bending. Well, you know, I cannot wait for next week because next week we're going to hear the inside story of how it came to be from the label perspective. And this is kind of rare to be able to really get that insider point of view on what made this video happen in the days when videos were as hot as it gets. And don't forget to sign up at rhinoinsider.com and start claiming your points, people. Thanks very much for tuning in. Don't forget to listen and subscribe on iTunes so you don't miss the next Rhino podcast. Executive producer for Rhino Entertainment, John Hughes. Produced for Rhino Entertainment by Pop Cult and Rich Mahan Promotions. All rights reserved.